If you read about Asbury University's history, you'll see references to Asbury's Wesleyan holiness tradition. Then when you walk into Hughes Auditorium on campus, it's hard to miss, above the organ pipes, the words of the prophet Zechariah, holiness unto the Lord. On today's edition of Belonging and Becoming, we'll explore the question, why is holiness important today? Asbury President Dr. Kevin Brown says one reason is because the way we live now is fashioning us for an eternal reality. Holiness is not just a requirement for heaven, it is the environment of heaven. I'm your host, Doug Walker, professor of media communication, and I had the privilege of sitting down earlier with Dr. Kevin Brown to discuss why holiness matters today. Why was holiness so important to the founders of Asbury and to its leadership to this day? When we talk about Wesleyan holiness, we're obviously referring to John Wesley and his theology. But as a, a former president here at Asbury has said, John Wesley is valuable insofar he is pulling forward New Testament theology, New Testament thinking, and Wesleyanism is valuable insofar it is pulling forward early church practices. So it's important to, to draw the, the continuity between Wesleyan theology and just simply what we see in Scripture, what we see in the church tradition. It's important to identify the continuity that we see between Wesleyan theology and Scripture and the early church tradition. Part of that tradition relates to our understanding of holiness, which you mentioned. And holiness, in this case, is just a part, it's the fullness of the Christian life. And Wesley had a very particular way of talking about this, the establishment of the love of God in the soul without any rival. In other language, he talks about where our motion accords with God's will. Uh, so this is this idea of holiness, the fullness of God in our life. Can you amplify a little bit more on what holiness actually means? Absolutely. And it, it might be helpful to talk about this uh, relative to an, another theological understanding we have of justification. And this was a, a view that Wesley held, similar to Martin Luther, that we are justified before God because of Christ's work on the cross. Uh, we experience salvation through belief and trust in Jesus as our Savior. So we are reconciled to God through justification, and we secure this unmerited gift, the definition of grace, through saving faith. But while faith alone will save us, the, the larger meta-narrative of Scripture communicates that if our faith is alone, then it may not necessarily be faith. In other words, the, the life of faith is not just simply about justification. It's also about this idea of sanctification or entire sanctification. And this means being set apart and being made holy, uh, being cleansed. Uh, sanctification would be the fruit of our faith. And Paul writes about this in Philippians. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so holiness is not simply our being made right, uh, it is being made clean, it is being uh, made holy. 
um, in in this particular life, not simply uh, when we die. And I can talk more about that. I, I think a, a very important verse that's helpful. Many Christians are familiar with Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But six twenty two, the verse before it says, "Now that you have been set free from sin." So that's an important statement, that we've been set free from sin. Now that you have victory over sin, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Uh, and so we see that what's occurring uh, is that we're set free from sin through our saving faith, through the work of Jesus Christ in our lives, through our practices and habits, and become slaves to God uh, the benefit we reap is holiness, and the result is eternal life. I'm wondering, uh, one of the things I remember from one of our earlier discussions was you talking about the significance of your parents in your life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking this just of them in particular, but I'm just thinking if we're trying to talk about what does holiness mean, some of the ways we learn that is by watching examples of that in our lives. If we talk about what holiness means, this idea of being set apart, have you seen some good examples of that through your life, uh, through your, some of the students that have passed through here? Is there an example or two that you might want to share of that? Absolutely. Certainly my, my parents. Um, I think of my granny. Her entire life was constituted by service. And, you know, Paul in, in Philippians 2 talks about let the same mind that was in Christ be in you. Well, what's the mind of Christ? And then he tells us that though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Rather, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave being made in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." And so we see this slave emptied humility, obedience, death even, uh, this emptying of oneself. And I think that's really important. I've always been drawn to the the classical definition of sin. Uh, We attribute it to Augustine, but there were several who uh, have said this, that, that sin is the heart curved in on itself. And we tend to think of sin as an action, uh, the, the Greek missing the mark, and that's certainly an accurate definition. But that can sometimes lead us to believe that sin is something we do and not a dispositional trait of who we are. And uh, so when I think of uh, emptying oneself, a heart curved outward, uh, loving God, loving others, that's a beautiful expression of holiness to me. It's the mind of Christ, but it's also the disposition of Christ as well. And so, yes, I I mentioned my granny, just everything about her life was service. I've watched my parents serve throughout their life. My in-laws serve, seeking the Lord's face every day, habituating practices into their life that are making them into something. People that are, are clamoring towards God's desired standard for us, because they really believe it's their best life. So that's, that's been a blessing for me. I've been a recipient of being able to see people that embody and live this out, and it's not just simply an abstract idea. I found a quote where we're talking, if we're talking about the idea of what holiness means, and I'd like your 
response to this. This happens to be from Mother Teresa, and she says, Holiness does not consist in doing extraordinary things. It consists in accepting with a smile what Jesus sends us. It consists in accepting and following the will of God. What truth about what holiness means does that quote capture for you? Here's what I would say, and I've talked about this before in, I believe, other podcasts. One of the things that... um, I love about this this Wesleyan idea. Wesley uses the phrase holy love. And the practices and the narratives, images, symbols, in addition to these other competing cultural ideologies, institutions, all the isms that are out there, all of these things serve to liturgize and to shape and to constitute what I love and what I pursue. We're desiring beings, we're worshiping beings. Uh, we love our, our humanity is constituted by the fact that we love. It's not just simply, I think, therefore, I am, but I love, therefore, I am. And L- Wesley has this phrase that love, uh, and this was in his notes on 1 Corinthians 13, love prepares us for and adorns us in eternity. In other words, what we love and attention to what is shaping our loves has this kind of eternal significance. We are fashioning ourselves right now for an eternal reality. So when I hear that quote by Mother Teresa, uh, that I'm practicing, that I'm giving myself over to the will of God, I hear that I am making myself over to beliefs. I'm practicing things that make the heavenly reality more real to me. I, I am more fit for that kind of reality. And this, this is an important dimension, I think, of Wesleyan theology. Wesley talks about what he calls everlasting habitations, holiness relating to these everlasting habits, habits that we cultivate in the here and now that have eternal implications. So is what I'm doing in this present life making heaven uh, more real to me? And among other things, If we take that idea seriously, it means that heaven is not simply out there somewhere, Uh, it's here, and it's not just then, it's actually now. And there's a a brilliant way of putting this by uh, a reverend named uh, Victor Shepard, and he said, you know, if you go into a concert hall, you pay to hear the concert, and that gives you the right Uh, to be there. Uh, You pay for the ticket, and that gives you the right to be in the concert hall. He said, but there's a second consideration, and that is your musicality. I I thought that was so interesting. In other words, he said, there's your right to be there, but there's also your fitness to enjoy the concert. And Wesley says, without the righteousness of Christ, we could have no claim to glory, but without holiness, we have no fitness for it. In other words, Holiness is not just a requirement for heaven, it is the environment of heaven. It's not just a condition, it is the condition of heaven. And so, in the here and now, uh, relative to, to the Mother Teresa quote, if I'm selfish, and if, if I want to hoard my, my resources, if I'm xenophobic or racist, if I'm mistrustful, if I don't like other people, if I'm poisonous or slanderous, if I'm constantly suspicious, if I view others as a threat to me, um, if I desire total autonomy in my life, the question of whether I get in to heaven <laughs> is really less relevant than the question, do I want to be there? Is that even a reality I would enjoy? 
In other words, am I making myself fit for a non-heavenly reality today that would actually make heaven unpleasant to me? So part of giving myself over to the will of God and part of practicing God's will, I see that as my heavenly fitness or relating to my, my fitness, because heaven is not just there, it's here, and it's not just then, it's now. I think one of the challenges, uh, we, we've talked some about what holiness means, I think one of the challenges in our society is that many people are confused about what holiness really is, partly due to background, partly some you know have never entered a church. And so one of the things that I've noticed from people is this, uh, and I kind of want to flip this a little and take a look at what holiness is not for a minute. Right. Because I, I've had friends that I grew up with in high school, you know, that uh, never set foot in a church, and they would their only use of holiness would be to call somebody holier than thou, uh, <laughs> and and so they have this negative connotation of, mm-hmm. of holiness. What can we say about what holiness is not, even as we try to avoid uh, being labeled like uh, those people were? I think that's a really, really important question. We often understand holiness in its relationship to sin. And so, as you put it, this can come off as pretentious, and that that's not the goal. I've described it before that the inability to sin is not the same thing as the ability not to sin. So, holiness is not this kind of uh, condition where one can't sin, uh, an inability to sin, uh, but that's different from the power not to sin. Uh, the ability not to sin. Uh, I like, uh, as one theologian puts it, it means we we need not live in the grip of sin. Holiness also is not faultlessness. Uh, there is a Greek word for that, and it's not used. And I think this is a really important point. Uh, Wesley himself believed that the farther along a Christian was toward sanctification and holiness, the more sensitive they were to spiritual shortfalls in their faith and hope and love. There's a a statement uh, Dennis Kinlaw said once, former president of Asbury, that sometimes the best evidence of our sanctification, sometimes the best evidence of our holiness, is how we respond after we've crossed a line of spiritual integrity. So again, that's not faultlessness, but it is when a, a fault has occurred that we are seeking to make that right make it right with ourselves. Um, what do I need to do to avoid that in the future? What ugliness has this revealed that needs cut from my vine? Uh, making it right with others, and of course, making it right with God. Holiness is not hyper-rigidity. It's not a set of rules. It's not a compulsory uh, list of behaviors uh, in order to be in the club. Uh, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to a full life, the fullness of the Christian life, the fullness of what God has for every human being. You know, there's the famous Alexander Pope comment, to err is human. I I agree with that on some level, especially given my fault, (laughs) it's not faultlessness comment. Um, But that that doesn't mean we're, when when we equate that with sin, when we equate that with selfishness, cheating, stealing, lying, um, this desire for total autonomy outside of others, that is that is not human. In other words, our humanity is not 
constituted by the mistakes and the faults that we make. Uh, rather, the holy life is the human life. <laughs> it's, it's the fullness of humanity. Uh, when Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly, like this, this idea of abundance overflowing. Uh, one, one translation talks about that being equidistant, the complete life, the full life, the all-around life. And finally, I would add that holiness is not optional. Uh, this is not a, uh, no thanks, I don't really want to sign up for that, I'll just sign up for the other stuff. Francis Chan, uh, the, the pastor and author, has told a story, he wrote a book called Crazy Love, it was really important, and in it he talks about lukewarm Christianity. And he said one of the peculiar <laughs> responses he received to the book from people was, gosh, I love your book, I love Crazy Love, great book, even though I'm a lukewarm Christian. And he would say, well, then I'm sorry to inform you, you missed the point of the book. There is no lukewarm Christianity. The idea that we can opt out uh, of this is just not available to us. So holiness is God's desire for all of his people. When we say yes to this Christian life, when we say yes to taking up our cross and following Christ, there is a cost to that. But that cost also is an invitation into the fullness of the Christian life. Uh, But it's not something that God or Holy Scripture uh, ever intended for us to opt out of. As you might guess, we couldn't stop our interview there. So we invite you to join us next month for part two of our discussion of Why Holiness Matters Today. Belonging and Becoming is a production of Asbury University. We welcome your feedback by contacting us at belong at asbury.edu. And we pray for the Lord's blessing on your life that you may discover the joy and peace of a life of holiness.